Good morning. It feels like summer. I said to somebody this morning, a, a, a younger person who's 13, I said, hey, so there's only 10 days left at school, and they quickly corrected me. So there's eight and a half. Some of you teachers probably would also know the answer, and may we take this moment to recognize the teachers over the last year. What, what a year. What a year. Thank you for what you've done. And to the parents who have found themselves also as teachers at times, whilst also multitasking, well done. Well done. When we lived in our house in England, we walked to school. And I've got a photo to illustrate of Eden and Esther walking my daughters to school. And it will appear at some point here and probably also online. It's coming. It's moving. The girls used to wear these super cute school uniforms. I like school uniforms. I think it's a really good idea. I'd like to suggest it to you Americans. It means that everyone looks the same. So there is no rich kid, poor kid vibe going on. And also boys learn to tie a tie, which I think is a good idea as well. We would walk down this road and then turn left. And then there was this crossing and there were two roads coming at the same time. And we had to cross this road. You then cross the road, and on the left-hand side, there was the school. It was a super quick walk, but there was this road that that we had to cross. And it was a bit of a blind corner. And uh, similar to people from Massachusetts, people drive faster than they should drive in England. And we wanted to teach them how to cross the road. And we came up with this saying, this series of words, where we would say, Stop, look, listen, think walk and we would drum it into them because as parents we know that what we put into them while we are with them we hope will remain when we are not with them stop look listen think walk i want to use those words to introduce this five-week series that we're going to be doing for the new testament book of james and this is why this short extract in the towards the end of the new testament is so loaded with statements encouragements challenges rebukes invitations in some ways you can't read it to learn it's intentionally meant to challenge you and to engage with it fully i would encourage you to stop i would encourage you to look Because you're going to see things that maybe you've not seen before. I would encourage you to listen. It's possible that two people can see the same piece of art but see something different. Or hear the same statement but walk away hearing something different. Listen. I want you to think. It's all well and good to get to the side of the road and to stop, look and listen. Well, you've got to think. Is that something coming? Is that an electric car? Because they're super quiet. Is something going away? What, what do we do with what we've seen and what we've heard? We need to think. And then lastly, and this is so rich in this, in this New Testament writing called James. Walk. 
None of it is there purely to entertain or to educate or merely inform. It is loaded with an instruction with the application that this will make a difference if you do it, if you put some legs on it, if you walk. So we're going to go through James over the next few weeks, and I want to encourage you, and towards the end, I'm going to come back to these words. But I want you to stop. I want you to look. I want you to listen. I want you to think. And I want you to walk. Now we're going to see different things because there's a mixed crowd in the room. It's a big text. There's probably too much going on really. He should have spaced it out over more pages, over more weeks. But we've got the Bible as it is and we're not going to critique it. We're going to listen to it and let it critique us. We're going to take it that way around. For those of you that like an intro... It's written as an open letter. This is one of those letters, sometimes you see them online, where it's addressed to one person and then posted on the internet for everyone to see. It is written with that intention. It's not really a letter. It's more of a communication of encouragement, instruction, rebuke, and do something with this. The author. The author, James, is one of Jesus' brothers, one of the sons of Mary and Joseph. I say that because it's quite interesting, because in a minute when we read the first sentence, he introduces himself as a servant of the Lord. This is subtle, but equally intriguing. How many of us in our culture where we celebrate our own successes, at times too frequently, would we failed to take the opportunity to name drop the relationship that he had with Jesus the Messiah instead of taking the opportunity to say, oh, by the way, and I'm also the leader of the church in Jerusalem, which is the holy city, the most significant church at this time. He doesn't tell us of his credentials, nor does he tell us of his unique relationship with Jesus. He says, hey, I'm just the servant of the Lord. What a posture to have. So this is who he is. This is what we've got. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's big. And then we're going to look at a few elements of it. So this is James 1. It's going to appear on the screen as well. James. A servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. 
Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tested when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good, perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How often do we get those ones the wrong way around? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted from the world. Stop, look, listen, think, walk. In a group of this size, there's different elements of this passage that's going to speak to you. And I believe that as we read these historical documents, the timeliness of the way God speaks to us, for some, it's like they were written for June the 6th, 2021. And you need to hear it. So I'm going to make a suggestion that's a dangerous suggestion. I remember when I was younger and I was a kid in church, my dad would have these notebooks and he would take notes. Often he wouldn't have a pen, but my mum would have a pen. Dad would have the notebook. It was a good combination. Probably you haven't got notebooks and pens. Some of you may do, but I'm guessing most of you have got a phone with a notes app. I'm going to risk something here and hope that Instagram doesn't win over. Get your phones out. Open the notes app. I believe that as we unpack this, I was praying this morning... There are some people, and I believe they may be in the room and they may be joining us online. God's going to speak to you through this passage, through some of the illustrations and prompts that I'm going to highlight. My, my role is just to help us to find what God's saying through this. It's not necessarily to tell you what you need to hear. But as I encourage you to listen and to look, I want you to take some notes. It's probable that there will be ten things that are spoken, but two of them stick 
That's fine. The other people can enjoy the other eight. That's okay. I believe that God wants to offer some things that some of you need to hear. So please stick with me. Avoid Instagram. You can do that later or wherever else your phone tends to take you. But I do believe that God wants to speak to us. And as the passage says, how foolish it would be to hear the word but not listen, to not act, to not do something. So I'm going to extract elements of it. And some of it, somewhere is going to stick. So to begin, trials and temptations. He begins talking about trials and temptations, goes somewhere else, and then comes back to it and talks about perseverance. Trials and temptations. For some of you, this is your now. The original language that this book was written in was the Greek, and the Greek word for trials that we see is perismoi, which actually is, is a fuller word than the English word simply trials. This word speaks about external trials and internal trials. External trials are the things that we can see. They're the things that are around us, and they're often the things that other people see too. There can be shared external trials. One of them we're going to pray about as a church this morning. This church has been in a transition of location in terms of facility for some years. I have been part of the story for two and a half years, but there's another story behind where, where are we going? Is it this shape? Is it this piece of land? Is it this facility? There's been a shared trial that we've all seen, and we're going to pray about that later on today. But as the Greek word says, there are also these internal trials. And for some of us, there are some challenges and some trials and some weaknesses and some flaws in us that others can't see, but we know that they're there. And for some of you at the moment, this is you. And this passage is meant to help you, to encourage you to look to the word to put your hope in Jesus and to not let the trials that at times scream loudly determine who you are because as the passage says God looks at us without finding fault we find fault he looks at us and says I love you so if you've got external trials or internal trials then I believe God wants to meet you today James relates trials to opportunities for joy, which sounds hideous. The idea that, oh, wouldn't it be good if we had some trials, then we'd have a really good afternoon. If we had some trials in the morning, that would set us up for a great day. We wouldn't think like that. But James is saying there is an opportunity for joy in this. He relates trials to Jesus' experience. Jesus began his ministry in the wilderness, which was a place of trial and testing. Jesus ended his earthly life in a trial. The trial doesn't have to exclude the possibility for joy and significant work. Jesus experienced trials. Jesus directs people to see them, sorry, James directs people to see them as an opportunity for joy. Uh, recently, it was the anniversary of a bereavement for me. And I kind of don't like anniversaries because you can forget that something's happened. And then there's this date that comes around that reminds you that it happened. 
And these anniversary dates are strangely powerful in that they can make what happened a few years ago suddenly feel like it was only a few days ago. And I had one of those moments, one of those trials. And I was speaking to somebody the day before who is wise and gives good counsel. And I said to him in passing, I hate tomorrow. I hate the date because it reminds me of this and where I was when this happened. and It stirs stuff in me and I kind of would rather it not be stirred. I said, how should I approach, how should I approach that moment, that memory, that day? And the person paused and in a way that was not trite said to me, give thanks. He just paused. He said, give thanks. He didn't negate the grief or the loss. But he said, give thanks. Yes, mourn, remember. But give thanks. May we learn the posture that we suffer and we succeed, sometimes in the same day. And we celebrate and we mourn, sometimes in the same moment. But may our trial not make us exempt from being able to give thanks for what was and is good. So in the mystery, may our trials have joy. Perseverance. There's a tiny sentence in the passage of James 1 where it says, let perseverance finish its work. It's as if the substance, the source, the idea of perseverance in itself has an energy that's going to continue to work after your efforts have stopped. Let perseverance finish its work. If you persevere, it's going to continue to grow and to do something and to develop something. Let me show you this photo I saw online. I think this kind of sums it up. Perseverance is like the tree that fell down but said, I'm not going to let the fall prevent me from being who I am and what I was made to be. So let perseverance grow the branches and the fruit that's meant to come. And may the trial not exclude you. For some of you at the moment, perseverance is where you're at. You feel stuck And I hate the feeling of being stuck. I want to fight a different way or a different idea. But sometimes we just get stuck. And we want to do something. This passage isn't saying make something happen. It's saying let. To let something is to submit, to stop, to cease. So for some of you, may I encourage you to let perseverance finish its work. Wisdom. The passage says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should pray for wisdom. Sounds like a really good, simple idea. Pray for wisdom with intent. Here's the challenge with wisdom. We often carry our previous understanding, experience, or competency into a situation, and it can cloud us from seeing that maybe there's a different shape. Maybe God wants to reveal and show us something that we haven't seen. And sometimes the thing that hinders us the most is the expectations that we carried into it. 
For some of you, this is what you need to hear because it's decision time. And I was preparing for this and I felt God say, say this. For some of you, it's not decision time and you're thinking this is not for me. Within the next four weeks, it's going to be decision time. And decisions are going to come your way. May I encourage you to pray with open, take the lenses of expectation off and say, God, give me wisdom. For some of you, that's what you need. Listening and doing. None of this matters if you don't do it. You can be so educated, so informed. You can tell us all the stories of what you have achieved. If you don't do it, it's like the person that tries to cross the road that stops, looks, listens, thinks, and then fails to walk. They just forever stay by the side of the road and they never cross and they never get to where they're going. Listening and doing. For some of you, you've heard all this before. Your inner monologue may be even saying, I've heard this before. Walk. Don't just be informed. Don't just learn. Don't just lean into the, oh, I heard this message 10 years ago and 10 years before that. Walk. What is it that God's saying you need to do? Don't just stay on the side of the road and watch the cars go past. Cross the road. Something that I wanted to say about discipleship. Because trials, perseverance, wisdom. I wrote something down, and this is really important. Discipleship is more about character than knowledge. And for some of us, we've got plenty of knowledge. We've studied the Bible. We've read it numerous times. But we're listening to things and we're looking at things and we're hearing things and we're thinking, do I need to walk? Do I need to stand? I think for some of us, it's a test of character. Discipleship is more about character than about knowledge. If God is challenging you in some things, and you may not like it, because being challenged isn't much fun. May I encourage you that maybe there is a shaping of character that is a greater gain than the collection of knowledge. Okay, last one. True religion. The passage ends. True religion looks like this. To care for orphans and widows. And the Bible leans in the direction of the marginalized. Jesus' ministry especially was inclusive of those that society and religious organizations had excluded. And Jesus said, those are the first people at the banquet table. So James is fitting with Jesus' tradition of his desire for the last and the least and the lost. And he's saying, orphans widows and the people that society has forgotten.